Greetings, ghouls and goblins, to a terrifying episode of Dancing with the Bards. My name is Ian, and I'm joined by my fiendish co-hosts, Brooke and Will. Hey! Chiming in for our cryptid demographic this month is our resident humangatang and honorary bard, Larry. Hello. Welcome back. I've been living in the rafters. <laughs> our game this month, kicking off our third year of Dancing with the Bards, is a rules-light, open-ended TTRPG, Monster of the Week. Originally designed by Michael Sands in 2012, the revised game was republished by Evil Hat Productions in 2015. This game takes inspiration from trends of serialized monster hunting adventures, from Supernatural to Buffy the Vampire Slayer, to allow players to create a story in which they are all that stands between civilization and some unearthly threat that week. The game recommends a group of three to five players. We had four for our most recent playthrough, and only requires some papers and two six-sided dice per player. The Game Master is there to help the players progress through the story. The challenge ratings for roles are predetermined, and it is the Game Master's job to determine consequences based on the player's roles. This game encourages connections between characters during setup, focusing heavily on narrative and problem-solving over rules-heavy gameplay. Before we get into scores, I wanted to take a moment to discuss open-ended RPGs. I know I've gotten all of you to play uh, some at one point or another. We've covered uh, Elfin Folk, Excellence, Ten Candles before. And uh, I'd like to hear some people's thoughts on that style of RPG or how this game compares to previous experiences. If I can go first, I just want to say I am starting to really love these open R- uh, open-ended RPGs. You kind of gave me a taste for it with Elven Folk, and you know you've been kind of drip feeding it to me since then. <laughs> I, I got the open ended RPG monkey on my back, Ian. Depending on how how you how we run through these, they can be a lot of fun. It definitely depends on the group you're playing with, but I, I've found I've had some pretty good results. I think I mentioned this during Ten Candles, but my first intro to any kind of gameplay was. A version of this where you would just be with your friends and they would make scenarios and you'd be running through a haunted house or something silly while walking together. Like it was playing pretend, but for middle schoolers. Yeah. Um, so this always brings me back to like when I first started gaming. And now that I have words for it, it makes me feel more a part of the community. Like back then, I didn't know what this was called. I just knew this is what me and my nerdy friends did at leadership conferences in DC. I had no idea that while we were walking through like the mall that uh, going like, Oh, you see, you see a clown in the distance. Do you run from it or do you go towards it? Like that kind of stuff is this, it's, it's just a nice touch point for me. So most of the uh, open ended RPGs I've played, I've usually not been a fan of though. This one really did stand out to me. Most of them, I feel, lack some sort of essential structure, and it's really up to the game master and the players to kind of create something, but this, I feel, has enough bones, per se, to work with, as opposed to kind of just giving you a set of three rules and being like, go wild, have fun, because in the wrong group, that's a miserable time. I think that's a a point to bring to like our group that we had for this was pretty good. Like we work together and communicate pretty well as a team. Yeah. So I think we had that on our side for most of the playthroughs we've had Mm -hmm. with these type of games on the podcast. Yeah. And I mean, I will say for this particular game, because it doesn't apply to all open-ended, this is definitely a shiny example of an open-ended RPG, you know, no question. But 
we have run this before for new players and new people uh, in large groups. Uh, I will definitely say stick to the three to five recommended players. But um, if you're going to introduce this game to someone, the and we'll talk more about this in setup, the character creation makes uh, it pretty smooth. And they have uh, PDFs for the, the, the what rules there are for the game that make it a little easier to introduce someone new to. Like me and Brooke when we learned it through our, our Friday group. Yeah, you know, that was fun. Yeah. It it suddenly became something similar to the anime campaign for us. Mm-hmm. That was the other open ended. Another open ended. Yeah. <laughs> that was we on. we did that one. That is we have covered that. We've actually covered all the ones we mentioned to be fair, but anime we have covered way early. I yeah. think that's episode twelve. I think that that was a year ago today. No, we didn't do that for October. We did um betrayal. Oh, you're right. For one October, and we did uh ten candles. 10 candles. All right, so going into uh, our rubric then, uh, with that uh, discussion out of the way, uh, number of players. I think we all know where this is going. Yeah, three three to five is is a good space for me. Um, I will say you could probably do something with a like a uh, just a one player and a game master kind of thing with this. I don't know how fun that would be, but. It I has mean, some people potential. really enjoy that style, though. Yeah, but like, at a certain point, that just kind of becomes RP with extra steps. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. It's it's RP with a framework. I also do see really interesting potential with the amount of characters that were there. If you were to have like three or four small groups work on a mystery together, like on two or three days out of the week, and then you all meet like a ten-person group to discuss events. That would I be. could see a really interesting potential for that. Yeah. That sounds fun. That actually does sound really fun. Yeah. I wish we had people who would do that, but I don't think we could get enough people to agree to that. I could probably get two that we could all tolerate, but like that's my contribution. <laughs> I have two that we all tolerate. We tolerate. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I we've done this with uh, seven people before, um, and I, it's definitely too much uh, in one sitting. Yeah, I feel like seven people at one table would be a lot, but like I said, if you do like you know, one week is one group, one week's another group, and then yeah. at the end of the month, you all meet together to like discuss your findings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not normally one for mission sessions, but I'm glad I missed those sessions. <laughs> I've heard horror stories. Yeah, well, it's it, it wasn't too bad. It just it it bogs things down a lot because everyone wants a creative solution to a problem, but when you have like six players. Uh, Six creative solutions gets a little too creative. Yeah. Not everyone can be a Fred. Yeah. <laughs> I will uh, just, this also takes some inspiration from like Scooby Doo yeah. mysteries too. I, I did want to like tie into Jabberjaw. Of course, and Jabberjaw. And whatever the one was the, with the buggy. Speed buggy. Speed buggy, yeah. I was, you're stealing my thoughts, Ian. <laughs> Uh, my big thing is three to five is perfect only because there's no real um, turn order. So it's everyone just talking at once. And if you get more than five people talking over each other, it starts to get chaotic. And there's always someone who feels like they can't talk. It's the sweet spot for sure. Yeah, it has an interesting um, concept where instead of everyone having turns and like the monster having a turn, uh, they retaliate based on what you do. So, like, if you go to, to attack them, they just automatically attack you back. 
so there's a lot less rolling for for the DM and stuff, but it it makes turns very unique, and I think it kind of adds to that that number of players. That's very fair, and I mean you have the unique outlook of being the the game master for this. So how how was it not being able to roll for your attacks? So I mean we'll we'll probably cover that a bit in um in like rate of play and stuff too because I did give it a two for that kind of thing. Um, but it was unique. I'll I'll I'll, I'll leave it there for now. Okay. Because that's one of my few twos here. So definitely a topic I'm gonna we're gonna circle back to. Spoiler. I know. But uh, inclusivity. Gave that a three. I'll I'll spoil mine too. Uh, it's a clean sweep for systems for me. I I gave it a two for the uh, inclusivity. I just felt there was a lot of reading. It's very reading heavy for the I, the character sheets. Yeah, I gave it a two for the same reason. I think it it's it's important to say that once you get through the first couple of blocks of text and it explains what you're supposed to be doing, it's very streamlined. Everything makes a lot of sense. It but does also help that like everyone has the same for one sheet. Everyone has a set of base skills that they all follow. Yeah, and I mean that those are the actions. Everyone has relatively standardized actions. When it I, I will say when it got to uh, picking the individual skills originally, it didn't do a great job of explaining pick three until you get to the bottom and it says pick three, if I'm remembering that correctly. Yeah. So I remember going through it and being like, wow, my guy can do a whole lot of things. Some <laughs> of these things paired together seem kind of broken. Um, and then I realized I can only get three of them. But other than that, I think it's it's a, a fairly inclusive game, aside mm-hmm. from the reading yeah. aspect. Yeah, that's I also landed that too on inclusivity for it. Because, I mean, besides from reading, I feel like, yeah, everything else checks those boxes for me, but some people struggle with that more than others. Some people are slow readers, some people are fast readers, and then the fast readers kind of sit there and I'm like, yo, come on, man, it's just three skills. Just read what they do, let's go. Yeah, my reading comprehension's not all it's tracked up to me. I found that like days. the way it was written was interesting enough that I didn't mind doing the reading. Yeah. Like There were enough tiny little jokes and quips as you went on, that it kind of kept me going in general. Keeps you engaged. It feels like they're talking to you. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of get like a little bit of character lore with each like sheet as well. I feel. Whereas if you go through like a, a, the D and D play player's handbook, it feels like you're just reading through like a automobile manual. (laughs) I still have not read through the manual all the way. No one has. I have skimmed only what I needed. I don't believe anyone has fully memorized the player's handbook. And if they they have, I don't want to meet you. I know one and we know him. Yeah. I, I know. He tabs everything. Yes, he does. I'm glad that you and I thought of the same (sighs) person in this. (laughs) I I probably should have thought of the same person. I can think of two people. Oh, yeah. okay. oh isn't Steven too, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, but so one of them one of them is playing D D with is my favorite experience because I kind of just I'm still learning by the seat of my pants and I've run five different D D campaigns. And every time I'll kind of be like, well, I don't know what that does actually. So uh let's all take a ten minute break. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm gonna go over here. <laughs> I will consult the ancient texts. <laughs> But uh, I think that kind of brings us into comprehension a little bit. Yeah, It's a lot more streamlined than a lot of games I've played. Everything you need to know is right there on the table. 
though I also did give it a two because once again, as Will mentioned earlier, the the selection during character creation and whatnot was a little weird where it would even like your character fleshing out. Yeah, that it would give you like seven options. They'd be like, you can have one. And I'm like, why didn't we lead with that? <laughs> that that's I a thought, big thing for me too. I'm I sorry. wish I no, I thought I wish I had the character sheets in front of me. I thought it said it right next to the header. No, when you I meant to, to grab like, them. Yeah. No, it was underneath. It'd be like you can have a gun, a bat, an axe, and I'm like all of them. So okay. yeah, on the first page, there I was thought like, it said right next to it. No, and then also the other thing I want to bring up too is where it had like range, AOE effect, kind of all listed mm-hmm. together. It'd be like short, hard, messy, and I'm like, that's a really weird thing to call a weapon. <laughs> yeah, hand hurt too. That was a great one. Yeah. That was something I, I pointed out, I think, when we were playing, is for all the, the sheets and explanations it had, it should have definitely had more explanations on what each of the weapon uh, like types mean. Just needed commas. It, yeah, that's <laughs> it. That'll fix everything. It's a comma. And uh, aside from that, everything's pretty self-explanatory. Like, knife, hand, hurt, too. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that makes sense. That A knife goes in your hand, and it hurts for two. Just the but, commas, all we're But asking. without commas, it just sounds like you're hurting your hand yeah. while using your knife. No hilt, only blade. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a binding of Isaac weapon. <laughs> so I felt looking over my fire axe. But I, I did want to throw this one thing into comprehension. This is very nitpicky of me. Why did you put all of the, the fleshing out of the character, the character's name, the way he looks, all that stuff, that should be like one of the first things you do. Not after you've picked equipment and stats and all that. It, it should have been the first thing on the first page. Um, See, now or... I do my characters in reverse. So I make the stats, and that tells me who he is. So like, this is my normal thought process. That's so cool. Yeah. That's, that's... I didn't even think about that. I okay. do it the complete other way. I come up with a concept for a character usually, and then I like, okay, well, they they do this. They should have stats that align like this. Okay, I kind of do both. <laughs> I like I have a general idea of what I want. I flesh out the stats, and then I'm like, okay, well, if he does this, then then he should probably have like this thing here, kind of. Yeah, I'm, I kind of do them side by side. Too. I take the full ADHD approach. Yeah, <laughs> everything all at once. I usually know gender, and that is it. Mostly because I'm very conscious of usually I only play male characters, so I try and evenly disperse male and female characters now. That's fair. As far as materials go, though, I, that is that is my other three in system. My yeah, I also gave it a three. Yeah, the the PDFs are very handy. Uh, you can find them just about anywhere. But even on top of that, the quality of the book itself is pretty good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't get to to lay my hands on it, but like just seeing you flip through it, yeah, that's a high quality book. It's full color, right? Yeah, full yeah. color. Uh, it also helped that Chris had tagged about half of it so far. Oh, it didn't but, come with that. No. Oh, that's unfortunate. But uh, I don't know what the quality yeah, for the soft cover is, but I assume though. it's. Probably I'm probably going to pick up the soft covers, so if there's any issues, I will add it into the description of this. Okay. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, for materials, it, the book is, is not particularly expensive. You get a PDF when you buy it from them. Um, it, you can... I think there's also... 
not including like stuff for for extras and community. They talk. They have um, what's the word for it? Uh, when you have assets for uh for roll twenty, yeah, and yeah. foundry for this too. Assets oh. for roll twenty uh is twenty five dollars. So it's it's a five dollar upcharge. Yeah. But still, still. But I don't know if that comes with the book or not. That's my only thing. Like, I don't know if it comes with a PDF version of it or just the assets for twenty five. With with just the assets for that, that this though, that's like a pre made character sheet where you just select things and play. And even still, beyond that, I mean, do we know if the assets are just for specific campaigns or are they free floating assets that you can use to make your own modules after the fact? More than likely, they're um, free floating modules. Uh, the stuff for the campaigns for this, and uh, the thing with a lot of this stuff ties all into each other, but. Uh, a lot of the asset, the, the the modules and stuff are all player made, so there's only a few I think pre made adventures, and I think I don't know if the one we played was one of them or not. I think it was because uh, on the PDF I got it said original adventures, but who knows? Yeah. Uh, but that's kind of the whole point with this is, and we'll go into the fact that they basically have an OGL later. But um, any modules they'd have on World Twenty would probably be player made. Okay. So probably also just free floating. Yeah. Yeah. It would make sense for the type of system this is to have it that way anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean that that just adds to the value of it. You're not paying $25 for a single module at that point. You're paying $25 for every conceivable module. Yeah. Hey Ian. Hey yeah. How was setting it up? Oh, I mean so easy. I, I I hadn't played this in in like three years. I spent maybe two or three hours just going through uh, all the rules, and that's just because I'm very nitpicky. Uh, getting your characters together took all of what, like half an hour? No, if that. In like twenty minutes. 15. Yeah, it didn't feel like fifteen either because we were having fun while it was happening. Yeah, yeah. but between character creation and creating like relationships for the characters, because that's another thing that they have you do too is. They want each character to have at least one connection with another person at the table. Uh, and so they have a uh, history set up in the, the sheet for the suggestions, and you can figure things out as you need to. Honestly, I think when I run anything, like if I do run a game in general, I'll be doing that no matter the system I use, because it really did help form a general consensus mm -hmm. on what was going on. I actually really enjoyed the setup of this because the one thing that I usually dread about doing an RPG that's going to be a one-shot is creating a character. Because I'm going to spend 45 minutes creating a character, I'm going to play for two, and then never even mention them again. But the fact that character creation was 10, 15 minutes, there wasn't a lot of dice rolling, there wasn't a lot of... I mean, there was background, but it was relevant background. And it was, it was a nice change to see something like that. Yeah. I mean, even going beyond that, I, I don't know how how it was for you guys, but with my my guy, because I play I, the Snoop, right? Mm -hmm. um, one of the things it recommended was using your your current party's composition to make them your your TV crew, uh, which I thought was a pretty neat concept. I don't know if you guys had something similar in yours. The Snoop mm -hmm. is no. one of the newer ones too. That might be why it has some extra stuff. Uh, they had um. Two added. I know the Snoop was one, and I want to say Spooktacular was yeah, the other one. That was like the magician. Kind yeah, of. like Please. a showman magician. There's one complaint I feel that I do have about setup though and character creation in general. 
and that was the the kind of locked stats. I liked it, but I also wasn't a fan because there was only five options total. Mm-hmm. So, and it seems like depending on what character you pick, there's just certain things that there's no way that character will ever be good at. Like me, I think all of mine were either a zero or a minus one on tough. So it's I just I don't fight the character I picked. <laughs> I just don't do it. I mean, I feel like that's something you get home rule too. Yeah. They they have um, options for stat increases at level ups, but yeah, for the most part, you're never really going to be good at certain things as certain characters. That's yeah. something you definitely learn and and know ahead of time for your next playthrough. Yeah, but for your first playthrough, it might. I can see how that'd be a little yeah like a bummer. I mean, it, but I I feel like with an open ended game like this, you do need to put some guardrails in place just to prevent. Your, your party from being just like superhumans. Mm-hmm. And it takes away a lot of the challenge if you have a character that's just good at everything all the time. Well, you, the, the stat totals that they, they offer too are, um, are all equal a certain number. So you can never really be overpowered because you're not rolling for any, any stats. But that's kind of what I'm getting at. You can't have a plus one on everything. You, every one of, at least for me, every one of them had, came with a stat that you're good at. And a stat, a stat that you're, you're bad at. And then one that you're just totally neutral. Exactly. One that you're neutral and then one that you're kind of okay and kind of bad at. And sometimes you can swap it out for being kind of good in something for being really bad in two things and being kind of okay in two things and really good in one. Um, but I, I think that was a, a pretty cool concept. I think if I'm, I'm trying to do the math in my head without seeing the paper, they all added up to four in some way, but none were greater than a two. Yeah. So yeah. you couldn't do a home rule because I'm a very big component, proponent of uh, take what resonates, leave what doesn't. If you didn't want to do that rule, as long as it was in that four range or that somewhere in there, yeah. I feel like you could do it anyway. Although the skills you have correspond usually with the, with the yeah with the array they give you. Yeah, and some of the abilities, like you were the flake, yeah, uh, Brooke, and I played the flake before. I know that uh, it actually lets you use some of your better stats for some of the basic moves. Um, like I know you could do sharp instead of charm. For, uh, for, what's the word? Uh, intimidation, I think is what it was. Uh, or persuasion. Persuasion, yeah, yeah. That's what it was. Yeah, the mundane had a lot of those, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, you could you could work around it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it would just be more work and some test trials to see what was the sweet spot on balance. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of skills, though, the uh, the rate of play on this... I I gave it a two, but that's just because it's an RPG. Some people just aren't going to be into it. Sometimes people will get distracted and kind of just drift off for the rest of the session. That started happening to me towards the end a little bit, where I was just kind of like, okay, we know how this is going to end. We know what we <laughs> got to do, but this is still going to be a half an hour here. So at, at first it was awesome. I was super into it, but I still have to dock it a point for it. I feel like it should have been a half point. If anything, I might just switch that around a little bit because I kind of want to give a half point off to uh, I did set up similar. Yeah, half point off because I I for me it was more from the perspective of 
the how the DM was handling things. Um, not that you were handling it bad, but it just it felt kind of clunky at times where the we would attack and the monster would immediately attack and so if we had three attacks going on the monster would have three, three attacks react, yeah. exactly yeah. and it it just felt very fast at times when it, it really shouldn't have and then it felt slow again when <laughs> <laughs> what it feel like it should have been faster no not even that exploring it, around exactly it just it it, it kind of ramped up the, the pace of the game very, very fast, and then we're kind of just back to normal. I mean, that's also how we attacked it, though. I feel like we probably shouldn't have been as bold as we were. You're right. The first time, maybe we shouldn't have tried to solo the mummy. Um, we also probably shouldn't have broken into the museum in the middle of the night. I, that yeah. was also, and we probably shouldn't have threatened to kill the guards. Yeah. <laughs> yes. A lot of bad choices. We did not threaten the guards. We suggested we should kill the guards. The guards were never around. threatened. They never knew. That's what happens when you bring a cranky old man to like a museum at midnight. And a 16-year-old who bought a van outside of Arby's that had a 357 in it. You're both I'm lucky just... that they never searched you. <laughs> I keep my gun well hidden. I don't. Mine was in the leg of frame. <laughs> my overalls. So, um, for, for Ray to play, I, I, I did say before, for I gave it a 2. For being a uh, game master, uh, it is still a lot of fun to see you guys figure things out and solve puzzles. And it was nice to focus on that kind of thing, uh, as opposed to this rule does this, this rule does that. I did still have a couple moments of that, like with the the combat, like you mentioned, because it doesn't feel right when things just automatically hit. Even as like a, a, a dungeon master or game master who always likes to win, I was like, that feels like cheating. <laughs> Again, it's just D and D withdrawals. Yeah, it is, but um, it does give me a little less to do because uh, I'm I don't actually roll anything as a game master for this. My my job is to focus entirely on narrative, and all of your roles are already predetermined because or your your saving uh, DCs are predetermined because uh, you already know that if you get a ten or more, you succeed. If you get a seven to nine, it's a partial, and if you get less, it's a fail. So you just roll that, add your stat, and you guys tell me if you pass or failed and how you do it. And I just say, this is your consequence, or this is what happens. So it's it's fun, but at times it does get a little uh, slow for, for the Game Master. I will also say with, with the what you were talking about with the combat, I did speed it up towards the end because you, you went through the the process of setting a trap. And that's kind of what you're supposed to do. You're not supposed to go at these things directly. Because they're 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 monsters. They're terrifying, and you're just people. Yeah. <laughs> One of you literally had no powers or abilities. You're the mundane. You you, you shouldn't be here. Gun. Gun. My superpower is bullet. I mean, also, are you trying really to tell quick, me Safari Ted is is any better than your character though? Really quick, backing up. Pokey religions. <laughs> Fancy weapons are no match for a blaster in your hand. Yeah. <laughs> the cops wouldn't have searched me. I was a 16-year-old. You can't pat down you a You are kid. a 16-year-old in D.C. They most certainly can and will and have. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they should not. I will call my parents lawyers. <laughs> Uh, so, I gotta know, Larry. You buy more games than anyone. Yes. 
pricing on this? What do you think? I think it is a very fair price. As someone who spent, well, this goes for 20 to 40 from what I've heard. I spent recently $60 on the Paranoia starter set, which I would love to do at one point. But um, that, I feel like I got ripped off on. And this is $20 cheaper. I mean, it comes with a deck of cards. The cards are really cool, but the card stock on it is comical. And the actual playbook is probably about 15 pages long. Something like this, there's a lot more meat to it for the price. Same thing with uh, another RPG that I've been looking at, the uh, the Marvel Multiverse RPG, which that is a nightmare. But, um, <laughs> that would actually be a really interesting thing to do sometime is do the original playtest book side by side with a new book oh, because yeah. that playtest book is... <sighs> but I feel like the price on this was actually a really good price, though. For 20 to 40 bucks, I would happily pay that out of pocket and be like, I feel like I got my money's worth. Yeah, for a game like this, for $20, you can't beat it. For a hardcover, you want to support the developers even better. I mean, what's a player's handbook for D&D is going for what? 50, 60, <laughs> 60. 60 now? 230. Yeah, they're way. And, that, and you would need two more books for that just to be able to think about playing in the game. Can I, can I tangent real quick yeah, on, on books for D&D? Because they, they recently got rid of... Um, one of their publishers can no longer carry books. Penguin uh, something. Really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so most game stores are going to really struggle to get stock in for, for D&D books now. Very intentionally. It, it's very much a, a money grab on uh, Wizards of the Coast part. So well, Hey, we would never badmouth anybody on here. Shout out to GW. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Trying to force scarcity on people. And and the comparison between Evil Hat and Wizards of the Coast is going to come up again when we talk about the the game license thing but i just want to say real quick uh screw you guys for for cutting penguin house there's a there's a right way to do things yeah and that's not it and not penguin house they're the best they have penguins they put cute little penguins on (laughs) things okay as a teacher though like penguin house is a staple like they're they're very much the beloved in in the teaching community so for for boxing them out that's insane. Like they've always been very good about their practices, which maybe was why they didn't want to. Yeah. They were like, they're too noble. (laughs) I think it's more, they're trying to make that push to all online content. They are. Yeah. yeah. Which is stupid. It is. There's small communities who don't have access to the internet who live playing your games. That being said though, that's why I docked the point is that there wasn't a PDF version available. They had the assets but that didn't look like it came with a PDF version. The only way to get the PDF is by buying the book. Yeah. And, you know, a high schooler, 20 bucks is a lot. Even if you did 15 for a PDF only, it just makes it the barrier of entry lower for a demographic that would love this game. Uh, that said, if you delve hard enough, uh, you might be able to... <laughs> yes, you can find <laughs> anything <laughs> if you look far enough. But, like, if you want to support the creators... Yeah, I... I... Like, just meet us halfway. Have it on all platforms so no one has an excuse and everyone can get it legally. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not like they'd have to go through the effort of, of making new PDFs for all. They already exist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it should just be an option to be able to go online and buy a PDF. Yeah, because I, I needed the PDF for doing the... Um, having all the stuff in, available on my phone, too. So I did have... Uh, I. I think I stole Chris's PDF. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, but he has the book and it's all tabbed and nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, going when it in comes to other PDFs. <laughs> yeah, going into extras uh, uh, before we we get too sidetracked. Uh, I gave this a two. Um, we'll go into what they have available for community a little later, but for actual game content, there is only one additional book for this. It's Tomb of, Tome of Mysteries. Uh, it's 25 bucks. It has uh, a couple adventures. It had um, two additional archetypes, uh, which are now also in the hardcover edition for the book. Uh, but I'm a little surprised that they don't have a few more uh, pre-made adventures uh, for this after almost 10 years. Uh, player content is nice, but it's also very hard to determine if player content is balanced. Or good. Uh, this or good, yeah. Having some adventures that are made by the people who made the game, who work closely with the game, uh, would be a little more reassuring, honestly. And uh, we were talking about this before we started recording, but uh, I'll, I'll say it again. I think they were kind of taking the Bethesda approach to this sort of thing, where they, they released the base game, and they expect the community to do a lot of the work. They released all of the tools necessary to create your own modules. And I, I think... It, and I don't know the developers, so I'm, I'm just taking a wild guess here. But I, I think it's it's more of a, the community knows what the community wants, and the community will provide for itself. Um, that being said, I still docked half a point for the reasons you said. It's been 10 years. It would be nice to see at least one or two modules come out. But. Even Bethesda slaps out an expansion every now and then. Yeah, well, it's more patches now. <laughs> and they're for $60. Yeah. <laughs> I gave it a one and a half. I... I don't see room for the expand. I don't see a need for them. Like they put the one out, that's great, but I don't see where they could take it elsewhere without it looking like a cash grab. See, I I gave it a two just because I am a fan of developer created content as opposed to community created content. Because I've I play Call of Cthulhu a lot. I make a lot of my own modules for Call of Cthulhu. I think I ran masks once. And it's so goddamn large that it's just insane. So I've I've looked at a lot of community content, and quite honestly, I always feel like if I want something short and sweet, I'm probably just going to do my own thing. And it's nice to have that developer backing because you can always just pull, even if it's this whole large grand scale campaign, you can pull like a section or two out and use that for your own mini session. Fair enough. Should we have that talk about licensing now? Yeah, probably. <laughs> OGL. Yeah, so I, I, if anyone's been paying attention to uh, tabletop game news at all for the last year, uh, Wizards of the Coast recently tried to uh, update their open game license, which would uh, force content creators to either foot the bill for what they produce or have to, to not be paid for, for content that they make anymore. And I know they went through a few iterations where they tried to retroactively say, well, if you already made it, it doesn't count, or this or that. And they had so much negative feedback that they just shut the whole thing down. And they're just not going to do open game license, I think, for one D&D, which they're still working on. Uh, compared to this, where uh, I don't know all the legalese, so this does not count as a legal defense <laughs> if uh, you ever get in trouble. But from what I understand, as long as you put... Um, something in your your content saying this is not produced by evil hack games 
and what game it's for and all that stuff. Uh, you can you can sell content for this on like Drive Through RPG. You can make your own content and sell it on on Roll Twenty, on Foundry, on uh, wherever you need to 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 sell product, and you're not going to get in trouble with them. And I think it's probably even encouraged because, like we said before, like like with with Bethesda, where they encourage fan made content and everyone gets what they want. Fair, and and we're sure this is sold. Like on on, you can go on Drive Through RPG right now and find modules to buy. Okay, uh, I'm sure if they weren't allowed, they would have been taken down by now. No, that's that's very fair, but that's that's a very interesting concept. You you haven't really seen stuff like that in in recent years, like 20 years or so, where you're seeing people who do, you know, self made modules that are able to be published in any game. I think I'm pretty sure Chaosium does that as well, because. Once again, Call of Cthulhu, the player base, does a lot of modules. Most of them are terrible, I will say that. But um, they, they do do a lot of player-made player modules, and I've seen Chaosium actually take some player-made modules and kind of tweak them, a la Bethesda, Yeah, where they're like, hey, that was a really cool idea. We're going to do it because we're familiar with this. So I, I did slap this with a three for community. I haven't really looked into a lot of the... Uh, the modules that people have made for this is also my first time playing it. So even if I did, I wouldn't really know what I'm looking for, but I feel like, I feel like something like this either has a large following or has potential to have a large following. It has potential to have a large following, but when I've talked to other people who play tabletop, not many people know it off the bat without me having to describe it more in depth. I will say with this licensure though, which I love, this shows how much they believe in their product that they don't have to, stranglehold it and make sure they get every dime out of it yeah. for them this has enough validation already that they just want people to know that it's not directly from them but still has to do with it like it just it shows that they, they trust their community and they know how good their product is they have confidence and they feel like they have staying power oh yeah they do as long as it can, like and it needs to catch on more than it it does but it has been featured in some actual play uh podcasts and stuff i know uh chris and jeremy uh both heard about it through uh adventure zone yeah because uh, apparently uh adventure zone covered it at one point uh, i don't i don't listen to adventure zone so i don't know but i'm sure they're great <laughs> some of my friends like them <laughs> shout out to adventure zone yeah sure they have they have comic books you should you should check them out uh, but yeah, for I gave it a three for community because I feel like that's a big push in the right direction for game development. Because at the end of the day, people still have to buy your book to play the game, so yeah. why not just let other people make the modules and make some extra cash off of it? Yeah, that's a very good way to look at it. I gave it a three for community as well. Um, I I have not looked myself, but based off of all of the the things I've heard through you guys. Uh, it sounds like it's got a fairly healthy community, surrounding mm -hmm. it, even if it is a smaller game. Yeah. It probably has one of the, the bigger communities for an open uh, oh, yeah. an open RPG. Yeah. I, I have no baseline for what is a larger community, so. Comparable enough. To, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> More than 10. Okay. <laughs> that is a threshold I can... I think our, then we would have a good community here because yeah. we have like 10 listeners. Hey. <laughs> Woo. Woo. Please share this with your friends. <laughs> in in a 
in a hobby that has been primarily dominated by like three different uh, tabletop games, uh, any any community where you have frequent player made content, I think, is considered a healthy community. Yeah, I don't believe I can name four big RPGs that like everyone's heard of. I think I can only name three: Cyberpunk, Call of Cthulhu, and Dungeons and Dragons. I was I didn't even think Cyberpunk yeah. because they kind of disappeared for a while, and when they came back, I was going to say Pathfinder. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I knew um, Shadowrun before I knew Cyberpunk. Which Shadowrun just kind of disappeared. <laughs> That's okay. Their weapon systems were. I that is one of my passes. It is like it's no sports, no Star Wars, and no I will Shadow never Run. do Shadow. You know, I tried it once, and just the way they have weapon arrays and things, I was just out. Cyberpunk wasn't much better. <laughs> Cyberpunk's weapon system is beautiful, but that's. That's a whole other thing. Yeah. What are we covering Cyberpunk, guys? Hopefully over the summer when I actually have time to read things. I I could. I'm familiar enough with the universe. I'm I, not, so I would need someone to run yeah. it. I I would happily. There's very few RPGs that I like running. Cyberpunk's one of them. Edge is one of them. And Call is one of them. And I've done one of those three on this podcast. Yeah. So uh, going into enjoyment. Uh, I give this a three. There's a reason that I recommend we play it. I really enjoy this game. That was a solid three for me. Getting that whole Scooby-Doo energy in there. Oh, yeah. And our our group was comical, to say the least. Oh, like, yes. That was one I wish we had recorded, but just time constraints lately have made that nearly impossible to record. We can run through what our characters did and how they all knew each other at one point, but I gave it a three, two and a half, just because, once again... It did kind of drag towards the end, and I feel like that took a little bit away from me, but looking back on it, it's something I would happily play again. And that's saying something for an open-ended RPG, because I'm the grumpy old man when it comes to those. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any any anyone here who didn't have at least some fun playing this. Oh, yeah. I wanted to give it a one. Even when things have been drawn out more, I don't think I've ever not enjoyed... Uh, a game of uh, Monster of the Week. The only time I've had uh, a difficult time with it was when we did one session that was like seven, ended up being like seven meetings because people couldn't get their shit together. But like... People we know? I I know, right? Unheard of. Most organized group. But as I said, that's just a matter of number of players for that one, so... Don't play with seven people and you'll be fine. (laughs) Play with two. Make it weird. Just (laughs) give it a DM. Stare at each other. Make it a battle of wits. <laughs> now that would be an interesting game. <laughs> it's just one person versus the dungeon master. Well, that's how my cousins play. For every game they play, it's just the two of them. They don't really have big groups. And they love it, but it's not my thing. So for a recommendation, uh, would, would you guys recommend this to someone? Oh, yeah. I would recommend it to certain people. I would recommend it to most people. Yeah, I I think that's a clear distinction. I don't think I would recommend this to to every single person. I'm not going to go running through the streets of New York being like, you all need to play Monster of the Week, but there's there's groups that I would happily recommend this to. I gave it a solid two. Your your Call of Cthulhu players, I think, would like this a lot more than, say, your traditional D&D players. Fair enough, yeah. I, I did give it a three, but I could also see where you're coming from, where, like, Someone who's more into the fantasy genre might not like a more modern setting. And that's, I'm glad that you 
you see it that way because that's kind of my my big justification for it. And, and it, I don't think it deserves a whole point off, but I'm gonna give it a whole point off anyway. I I like my fantasy games. I if if Elven Folk had a system this streamlined and easy, and you didn't have to make a ton of background characters for each player, that would be my game. This unfortunately is the new game. Though. <laughs> No, I shouldn't say unfortunately. I, this is I a feel like game. you could theme it, though. You could definitely have old school. You could change the weaponry. So instead oh, of having a gun, you have an easy. arrow. Like, I feel like this could be an easy switch over. And I'm sure someone in the community has done that on drive through But it would be an easy switch to go, like, werewolf hunting in a town. Yeah, you yeah. could easily do knights and witches as opposed to hobos and mummies. Yeah. <laughs> Although I would definitely love to do like a yeah, 17th, 18th century werewolf. Oh, that would be really cool. With this. Yeah, that would be pretty amazing, actually. All right, so we do need to record for, for Twitch this game. You want to do a, a one-off <laughs> one of these nights? I could do with Descendant. Yeah. yeah. We'll actually be absolutely I'd love descended. to get back to streaming a little bit more. It was fun with the, the camping with the bards. Yeah. I was talking to Ian about that, but we can talk about that okay. afterwards. You don't need to hear this, guys. We'll, we'll... <laughs> <laughs> You'll only hear the outcome. Yeah, for both our sanities. Replay value. I would play this every day if I could. I'll be honest, this is, I like open-ended, and this is so streamlined. I feel like I could get a whole bunch of people to go in and out of a campaign, and and I would do this forever. I didn't even think about playing it that way. I gave it a two for the sole reason that, that you're limited in the amount of level-ups that you could have. If you did want to run something slightly longer, you kind of boxed in at a certain point where you have your standard level ups and then you have your advances, but there's only an opportunity for, for like five or 10 of those actual level up. Mm-hmm. Moments. I know I'm spoiled by other RPGs where I get 30 levels, but um, I, I got an idea concept for you based off Scooby-Doo <laughs> after it's leveled up reboot. Now that's a cool idea. And- I actually think there yeah. are options for retiring characters. I too. Yeah, did notice that too, and that's that's why I'm like five to ten ish instead of like a solid ten because I think two or three of those those advanced options are you retire or I know at least for me it was you strike it big, <laughs> and that to me says I'm done with this. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like it'd be very easy to make this like seasons of a show and really lean into the TV aspect of it, and then just after a couple seasons we reboot it. That's what they do to Scooby-Doo forever. It is a ghost of what it once was. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> Snoop gets a Netflix deal. <laughs> <laughs> I, I gave it a two for replay value. Um, I, as someone who did do one of these uh, once a week for like a month and a half to two months, it can get a little uh, tedious sometimes. Uh, there are definitely some uh, restraints on like level caps and stuff and the luck points also mm. are a big thing. Because oh, those do not those do not uh, Those refresh. Yeah. I feel like the DM could could definitely sprinkle in as just like a DM thing. There, there's probably a way to get your luck points reduced. Um, that is in one of the level ups. One of the base level ups is you reduce your your luck counter by one. Yeah, but it so, it's slow. Oh, I even mean like a DM could how we do inspiration in D and D could be a similar thing where it could be like, oh, you managed to make the best possible outcome. Here, have one reduction. So one thing that I do want to mention, and I wasn't really sure where to put it, 
it seems like if you go at this this game in your typical RPG sense of there is a problem, we want to exterminate it. It's a very lethal game. And you might make it out of that encounter fine, but if you're doing a long-term campaign, you're not getting away with that twice. No. And so for that, I ended up taking a half a point off. I absolutely love this game, but I don't see the potential of a long-term character. Like a long-term character. Mm -hmm. If you were to have a cycle of them, like, you know, this week we have a guest star and you bring in another character for that, then like that could work. But I don't see a good campaign system here. Yeah. And it's not really meant to be a forever campaign kind of thing for all these characters either. Yeah. Um, They're supposed to be human. They're not some immortal god that you decided exactly. to create in your mind. It's not like D&D where once you hit 20th level, you're basically immortal. It's not like yeah. Call of Cthulhu where you play well, 80 sessions with the same character and you have 100 stat and everything. This game strikes me as uh, something that's that's somewhat inspired by like classic D&D systems. Where it's you hit zero hit points, you're dead. Roll mm-hmm. a new character. Um, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it it works with the setting and and the way the game is set up. You know, it, it adds that level of challenge that I think is is lacking in a lot of modern RPGs. You're just a dude who has something that the other person doesn't. Yeah. In my case, it was a car. In my case, it was a TV show. We didn't need that. <laughs> my case, it was a shotgun in my overalls. <laughs> and corn! Yes, you're right. The cornfield did help a lot. It did. I got to be a mummy. I was happy. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my favorite part, sliding scale time. Sliding scales. Oh, yeah. I give it a two for innovative. Like I, I should have given it a three. I was being a little harsh because it's already... A very high-ranking game for me, but it, it definitely it makes things concise in a way that I don't see a lot of other open-ended do. That's fair. I ended up giving it a two for classic, um, for entirely the wrong reasons. Now that I'm thinking about it, but it, it feels it feels like a lot of these other games in some ways. It, it does have that kind of. I think the innovative part is really just the way turn order works for me. Character creation, I've seen other games that do character creation like that. I believe Escape Triassic Park had a very similar character creation. Yeah, kind of. I mean, you had the, the grids and the charts. The only real difference was you had to roll for, for the stuff rather than just picking them. Yeah. Um, now, I, I don't think that's a bad thing, but... Well, I, I had you roll for it. That was like a me thing. You uh, could have chosen if you wanted to. I thought it was better to randomize it. But... Um... No, I, I, I did give it an innovative three. I do see where you're coming from with Classic, though. You know what game you're probably thinking of when, you, when you, you're you looking at this? Uh, if I can make a guess? What? Kids on Bikes. Yes. I love yeah, very much so. If you like Call of Cthulhu and you like Kids on Bikes, you'll probably like this game. Yes, I do. <laughs> that said, the the, the, the pre-made character sheets, the, the pre-made stats, the streamlined character creation, uh, the open-ended game where the DM doesn't actually roll anything, uh, I felt those were very uh, innovative uh, uh, play styles for a game. So I actually am going to be the voice of unreason, as usual, when we get the sliding scales. I only gave it a one in innovative just because, as you said, though, it's it's these things that all of these other RPGs do, but it's cobbled together in a nice way. It's the best possible Frankenstein, but I wouldn't say that that's necessarily innovative. 
is that they pulled what they liked from other things, and it's all the better for it. I'm glad they didn't go off the deep end and were like, you know what, we're just going to do our own thing that nobody's ever seen, because that would have been a disaster. But... I To be fair, I think the only three innovative we've ever given on this type of a game was um, card-based instead of dice-based. Help me. Oh, upwind. Upwind. Yes. I think that was that's, the only That's time. innovative yeah. in a great way. So I think that's the only three we've ever had on this. Yeah, so I ended up giving it a one on innovative, and I don't mean that as like any sort of diss towards the game. It's just that it's it's not very original in its concepts, but it is smart the way that they took concepts from other things and put it together. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. Did we, did we get you for innovative? Or? No, that was, I did that first. That's right, you did. <laughs> I'm losing my mind. Uh, but it's late, guys. We have, we have another sliding scale. Uh, I gave this a simple two. I felt like it's uh, fairly... The fact that it's very streamlined it made this pretty easy to understand. There are definitely some things that uh, could be on the keeper sheet and the player sheet, like the what the weapons do or how combat works. Because it sh- it should be straightforward, and yet every time I play this, I'm always like, I don't I don't attack or anything. It just instantly hits. That feels wrong, I, <laughs> and it slows it down every time I enter combat playing or running this. I would be kind of curious to to find somebody who's never played a game like this before and see how they run it as a DM. I I think a <laughs> lot of us have been spoiled by D and D and other RPGs that, I mean, in a good way, explain things better. And we, we kind of just know what these things mean. Um, I think younger kids would understand that concept more about, like, you know, if you hit somebody, they're going to hit you back right away. They're not going to wait a second. So I feel like younger crowds would pick on to it easier than we have. Fair. Usually the game master has to balance narrative versus trying to make a challenge for the player. Uh, in this instance... Uh, any wounds you, any move you make against the the enemy, it's a self inflicted wound automatically. You're you're more killing yourselves than I am. My well, favorite I... part about Call of Cthulhu is when I get to break out the dice because <laughs> I'm just like, oh, you've done it now. That kind of leads to the need for creative problem solving instead of Ex- fighting. Yeah, that's it's, what it meant, yeah. it's meant to push. Yeah, which is actually why I gave this a complex one because yeah. it's something that I don't really feel like a lot of people who are familiar with RPGs would understand until their first run through. When when we were like, oh yeah, let's attack the mummy. I was like, oh, we're going to whoop this thing's ass. And then I realized how combat worked and I was like, oh, this is... In our defense, I think we could have taken the mummy if we just kind of kept going for it and, and uh, well, one man one of us. wasn't <laughs> hovering away. <laughs> one of us would have been able to take the mummy by the end of it. Maybe. Merkins. Yeah. Oh, man, Merkins. Merkins almost died twice. <laughs> but did he? He should have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's an I, old man. I was, I was so ready to just leave you in that garden fire. <laughs> I did uh, not want to leave Old Man Mer- And it was a butterfly fire. Oh <laughs> it was a butterfly garden. The butterflies, <laughs> thankfully, were not on fire. We Remember we opened the doors to shoot the butterflies out. Can you oh, imagine how tragic that around. would be if their little wings <laughs> were just burning everything? That's so sad. To be fair, I had a whole death scene planned out for Old Man Merkin, so it wasn't a huge you loss either way. You stole their thunder. I know. I couldn't Old man Merkins was going to be a martyr. I needed his cornfield. You would have <laughs> had them. Now he's just alive and charred. 
Uh, for me, I gave this a three symbol. Getting back on track so I can sorry. go to bed tonight. I'm sorry. <laughs> I also gave it a simple three. I think this is a very easy to understand game. It's very streamlined. I don't know about you guys, but I picked it up almost immediately. Oh, yeah. Woo! Outlier and sliding scale still. As <laughs> always. It's what I do. Uh, so going into final scores, uh, I gave this a 37 out of 42, which is definitely one of my higher scores. 38? 36? 32? <laughs> I will say confidently with my full chest. <laughs> but that is also just because going into it, I didn't feel like it was going to be my style of game, and I ended up loving it. So it, that is good. That's a good score for someone who doesn't play these very often. Yeah. And tries to avoid well, them. Well, I, I do play them often, and that's the problem. <laughs> any any last comments uh, for the game? I feel like we covered a lot. We yeah. Covered um, a lot of ground. I think this would be good for younger crowds, too, because it doesn't have necessarily violence as the headliner. Yeah. That's a big thing. Yeah. So, like, if you're trying to get a kid into TTRPGs, like, end of middle school, high school, this is a solid one. I could see where it would turn violent, but it doesn't present it. It doesn't have to. Yeah. So it would depend on, yeah, it it would depend on the group that you're running. Some middle schoolers will be violent in any game you give them. Um, Just the nature of middle school. Some will find those creative problem solvings in ways you don't expect because you don't think like them anymore. Some because, kick you under the table as you play. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah, they watched Home Alone last weekend. Yeah. You know? you know, they watched Home Alone for the first time, and they're like, oh my gosh, we can cover the floor in Greece. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that poor giant, that D&D campaign. <laughs> Dude, that was brutal. Anyways. Anyone else have comments? No, I was pleasantly surprised. That's my only comment. I want more, Ian. We, we can do more. Please. All right, and with that, we're closing out our second anniversary. Thank you, everyone, for listening to our Halloween episode. If you want to learn more about upcoming events, you can find us on X at Dance with Bards, on Macedon at Dance with Bards at Crater.gg, or on Blue Sky at Dance with Bards at BlueSky.social. You can also look us up on Facebook, and the best way to get in touch with us is either on our Discord, which you can find links to on all of our socials, or by email at dancingwiththebards at gmail.com. Thank you, everyone. Once again, it's been another great year. Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 Happy spooky season. Woo. Woo.